Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Hey, my friends, guess what? None of us are perfect. And that is ultimately okay. I love saying that we are all imperfect people living in an imperfect world, trying to attain this ultimate version of perfection, but it's never going to happen. So stop trying to chase for this idea of perfect because none of us really know what that idea of perfect is. Unless you are a Christian, you can look to Christ as being the perfect example of what perfect is, essentially. So this conversation is with the amazing Tony Collier, who is a hope coach, author of, get this, I love this title, Brave Enough to be Broken. And she's the founder of Broken Crayons, Still Color, an international women's ministry that helps women process their brokenness and reclaim hope. Tony has one heck of a great story. I think you guys are really going to love and connect with a lot. I mean, there was a lot that I could actually relate to and a lot that I really did appreciate uh, from her story and, and the fact that she got really vulnerable during this conversation and she shared some things that are known, but I think it's still hard to actually talk about. But Tony is also a popular speaker and consultant who helps organizations with creative marketing, leadership, student ministry, and strategic planning, among many other things. It's her passion to show women that they can be both broken and beautiful as they work out their healing at the feet of Jesus. She also teaches regularly at Story Church Atlanta, founded by her husband, Sam Collier. Many of you would Uh, No doubt know him if you follow the Christian circles, that is. Um, And they have a, a, they live in Atlanta with their daughter, Dylan, and the new baby boy, Sam Jr. And I mentioned the title of Tony's new book, Brave Enough to be Broken. You can get a copy of that 
uh, wherever books are sold really, but I'll make it easier for you. The links will be in the show notes below. You can also get a copy of my book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down. The links for that are also in the show notes below. And if you prefer listening to my voice, I don't know why you would, uh, it's a bad joke, uh, then you can get the audio audible version uh, right now. I'll make sure links for that are also in the show notes below. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Tony Collier. I'm so glad to be here. This is the best, and the accent really just makes it really fancy, you know? You like my accent, huh? I love it. Love. I wish I could do it, but I can't. I'm just going to stick to Southern. You're already boosting up my ego straight away. That's what I'm saying. That's so what that I'm saying. You're already in my good books. It's going to be a great conversation at the very, very start. That always happens when people boost my ego. So That's I'm what I'm saying. I like the accent. I love the Southern accent. So we're going to get along. <laughs> uh, hey, come on. <laughs> Tony, how are you doing? How are things in your neck of the woods in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. What's been happening for you recently? Well, here's the deal. A lot has been happening. Okay. Um, we have a brand new little baby, four month old. His name is Sammy, Sam Jr. And so that's been a whole bunch. Postpartum journey has been real. But while I've been uh, raising this small little whippersnapper, I have also been on a book tour. I have launched uh, my podcast, the Still Coloring Podcast. I've wrapped up seminary, um, got my master's. And yeah, just trying to stay alive here and get as many naps as I possibly can. And yeah, that's what's been going on. But it's been super great. I've been grateful. You know, one thing I have not said publicly that I'm actually kind of excited, I'm just going to say it, is that I'm wrapping up a kid's book right now to launch 2023 to kind of partner with my new book. And so, yeah, everything's been going on and nothing at all, you know? You heard it here first, people, on the story box. She's launching a kid's book next year, which is pretty cool. Congratulations for all the things you you are doing. And I believe in the midst of all that, you also went from Hillsong to starting Story Church, right? Man, yes. So originally we were going to do just Story Church. We were like so excited. We've got this Story Church. And then we got to meet Brian and Bobby. And they were like, you guys should be Hillsong, da 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 started it and what a wild ride. I just tell you that. And it was a quick wild ride and really just ended up being honest with ourselves and saying, it's really difficult to build a brand new church with brand new people that we've never been, you know, in relationship with before during really dark times. And the decision was hard. Obviously we had made some friends in the Hillsong family. And then we just decided that our community needed a fresh start, needed to be able to actually like, you know, thrive and build a really good church. And what's crazy is God, has really done that. So we went back to our original idea being Story Church and we've got this beautiful community and it's stable and it's healthy and it's good. So, yeah. Now, I'm curious about this because I'm not a pastor. I'm not involved in like leadership within a church environment setting, but you are the wife of a pastor and you do also teach in in churches and you preach as well. Yep. What are some of the challenges that you face, not only just being a pastor's wife or a pastor or being in that leadership space, but yeah. also like as a whole, you know? Yeah. 
Well, so many things, you know, uh, over here in America, especially in the South, it's hard for people to receive from a woman in a pastoral space, you know. Um, but I really do believe that the church needs to be mothered just as much as it needs to be fathered. And so that's one of the challenges is getting people to understand that the voice of a woman is just as valuable as a, the voice of a man. And and to, to ride that tension and to not try to shine a light on just women, but to hold the tension of both men and women. I also think family dynamic is hard. You know, I'm a mom of two. I have an eight-year-old strong-willed blessing. Okay, she's a little <laughs> wild. She's a little wild. And then we've got this new little baby. And so balancing, what does it look like to actually break up with balance? And then marry priorities is to figure out what times do I have for my family that I can be all in for my family? And then what times do I have to do ministry? And I get to represent God. And so that's super hard. I also think what I talk about is hard too. I talk about health and healing and mental wellness and all the things and counseling. And people are like, what? Like, how can you have faith and also have feelings? And I'm like, yeah, surprise, both is needed, you know? And so that's, those are just some of the things that I, I face, you know? The intersection between, I guess, trying to help someone overcome their trauma or their healing and, and yeah. going on that journey, as well as using Christ within that. Have you yeah. found that challenging at all? What's interesting is it is more challenging to talk about it publicly than it is to talk about it privately. So publicly, there are a lot of people that have a lot of opinions on it. Well, can you really have faith? Do you Does faith, does actually like believing and understanding that you have anxiety and depression and all these other things in your story, does it discount your faith? All those are like public conversations. But in private, people are like, I really do need God as my source, but I also need resources. And, and unfortunately, that's how it goes. And what happens is people are so afraid to talk about their mental health or their mental illness because publicly it's such like a, a taboo type thing. But I think the more we get out of hiding, the more our world will change. And we've already seen it change. People have started to bring mental health professionals in the church. And I think it's going to just grow and grow and grow because I believe that God wants holy people, but also whole people too. And we all know that person that knows the Bible back and front and they just mean because they're not whole. So that it's needed. really good. Yeah. I remember I grew up in conservative environment. And yep. when I was growing up, mental health wasn't really mentioned yeah. or and there's this really negative stigma around when you're in the church you can't really have depression or anxiety because that's yeah. godly at all but yeah. people suffer people go through those periods of brokenness you, you could call it or feeling like they are broken right and, yeah. and it's like we've got to come that's alongside them and help them like there's there's a part of it that is a spiritual aspect we need god yeah. But then we also need these other healing tools and healing mechanisms. Yep. Well, what I think is is amazing about that is, you know, we start to compare like our bodies and the way that we're healthy in all these different ways. And I think it, it brings, a, it sheds a light on mental wellness because on one end, we're like forever and ever, I want to make sure that I eat well. So I'm going to get a nutritionist forever and ever. I want to make sure that I stay in the gym and I work out so that I can have at least one good app. You know, we do all these other things and we commit to them forever and ever because we need them for the rest of our lives. But with mental health, we either commit to them temporarily by saying, okay, I'm just going to go and I'm going to get healed and it's going to be all good. Like I'm, I'm going to be fine. It's like, no, we live in a fallen, broken world. You're probably going to experience brokenness again. And also you've probably been through so much trauma. You need to kind of continue to heal over and over again. But then also 
we, we, we start to understand that hiding is really the kryptonite to healing. And when we start to embrace the fact that we are broken, embrace the fact that we've got pain in our stories, it makes us stronger. It helps us build grit to be able to sustain in the future. So maybe, yeah, you can have a little bit less counseling because you've done your work, you know? I say make your mental health loud and don't suffer in silence because that's the last go. Yeah, that's the last thing that we don't want, right? Because a lot of people do suffer in silence because they're afraid of what other people might think of them. And it's fear, fear fear-based, right? It Mm -hmm. stops them from actually getting help. What is this person going to think of me if I Mm -hmm. share my deepest, darkest secrets revolving around what I'm thinking about or what's going on in my life? But I say if you if you really do care, if Mm. we're in a church environment, then we should be encouraging people to make their mental health loud, despite because we're all like we're all as you say, we're all imperfect people, right? We all have those and we have we live in a fallen world. So there's Mm. going to be those issues that come up for people, even Christian people. That is the reality of sin. And we all struggle. But if you can come alongside that person in the right way, then how are we going to help them heal? Come on. That's so good. Well, what happens is that we become the toxic people that we need saving from because we don't want to go do our work. And we just perpetuate cycles of abuse, cycles of trauma, cycles of pain. I mean, the hardest thing I think I've ever had to heal from is the reality that I had been through so much abuse that I had started to pick up abuse tendencies, that I had started to become the person that I was, you know, I needed saving from. And and our toxicity leaks, right? So like it doesn't stay, it doesn't stay isolated. If we're unhealthy, you know, daughters, we're unhealthy wives and moms and husbands and, and parents. And so we've got to be careful that we don't leak from the overflow of our unhealth. And we can only do that by doing our work. And then of course, by creating safe environments for people to do their work too. I love when you also mentioned that when you do share, it makes you feel comfortable. And it only amplifies your story that much more. And that's something that I love. And that's something that I talk about too, because everyone has a story and Mm. a lot of people don't want to share their story, but every story matters. doesn't matter what you've been through. Right. So I think that, and like you talk about, and this is just me spitballing from the title here, you gotta be brave to share that stuff. It takes a lot of courage. And a lot of bravery yeah. too. But when you do, mm-hmm. and when you do decide to do the work, sure, there is a little bit of pain that goes along with that. But when you get to the yeah. end of it, there's yeah. that release, there's that healing, there's that yeah. feeling of fulfillment, and there is peace ultimately. Do you agree with that? I should agree with that. I mean, come on, guys. It doesn't take a lot of courage to be perfect, right? Like it doesn't, I mean, I could show up and show all my accolades and look at what I've done and ha ha ha, look at all my followers and la me any courage to do that. I just like, as a matter of fact, I'm feeling pretty freaking great to share about all the things that I've done. What takes bravery is to say, I'm dealing with this addiction. I've got this dark thing in my past. My marriage is absolutely broken. My finances are looking crazy. It's creating in me anxiety. Like that's what takes the real bravery. And you're right on the other side of our bravery. First of all, it's intimacy and connection with people. 
People connect with people in their brokenness. How much more does it mean? I mean, Brene Brown says this, we are imperfect, we're wired for struggle, but we're still worthy of love and belonging. The truth is, how much more does it mean to be worthy of love and belonging when everybody knows all your stuff? When like your your friends, your safe people knows like, okay, yeah, you're struggling with this, but I still love you. I got you. It's easy to love perfect people. Let's be honest. We all got like a a Susan in our lives. You know, I call her Susan because she's just so she's bopping around, bringing charcuterie to the parties. It's so easy. But when you look to someone and, and see the dark parts of their story, the difficulty in accepting them is really just a gateway to let them know that God accepts them, too, that literally no matter what he loves you. And so does his sons and daughters that love you, too. You know, so it's good. Yeah, it's really good, actually. I wanted to get to, I'll come back to this because you did mention that you've been through abuse and I wanted to ask if you're comfortable sharing some of those. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned something interesting, like when you do share to people, most people would be worried about, especially in the church, sharing all the dirty laundry and then gossip, gossip coming up. How do we handle that kind of conversation? Well, I'm going to just be honest. I do not care. Okay. I don't care because here's the deal. Gossip is just an overflow of insecurity. It's, I mean, spreading discourse, gossiping about people, rumors, all the things, it really is just an overflow of insecurity because there's nothing else more, nothing else important to talk about. I believe that there's power in us being honest about our stuff. I mean, even as we see in the Bible, there's power in the fact that we see these broken stories. We see, you know, guys cutting ears off and we see a woman committing adultery. Like Jesus let us see that in John chapter eight, verse one through 11, this woman who committed adultery and she was brought to trial in the temple courts. And she was probably half naked because she just had sex with somebody, man. Like, I mean, all these things. And then Jesus literally looks her in the eye and says, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. We need to see that stuff so that through the brokenness, we can see the power of God. We can also see the character of God. We can see how kind Jesus is in our brokenness. So gossip about me all you want. Take as much earthly influence as you want from me. I'm looking for heavenly reward. Take it all. I cancel me. Okay. And honestly, if I got canceled at this point, because all my business is already out, it's because I did something new. Okay. It's because I did something crazy last night. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody knows all my stuff. They know I've been through with drugs and addiction. They know I've stood on stages and pretended to be this perfect minister. And I was going home to doors, ripped off the hinges and holes punched in the walls from my first marriage. They know I've been divorced. They know all this stuff already. So, and, and you know what it does? It makes me more valuable because I have the authority to talk about this stuff because I've done it wrong. Not because I'm smart, not because I can write something or speak well, but because I've done it wrong, I can say, hey, don't do that. Don't, this is not the way. This is the way. So, well, how many whatever. People, yeah, I love that. How many people do you actually know that have done it the right way? And how many, yeah, not how many, many. times like, can you actually relate to that person that has supposedly done it the right way? Yeah. You know, like it, well, it's just like, okay, you really haven't been through anything. And it's not to like be in the pain comparison trap. Like, Oh, my pain's not as much as this person's pain. They, they haven't been through. But the truth is I want to learn from the people who have been through stuff. Hope rises from the dirt. Okay. In order, the healing journey is about getting your hands dirty. It's about embracing pain and standing in valleys to get to mountains. So yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, yep, I want to find the experts. 
Yeah, me too, because then I can learn more from them. <laughs> yeah, and what like, not to do. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. Don't you don't have to go down this path. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be sunshine and rainbows, yeah. but it means that you can make the choice. If I had the choice growing up to not go through the things that I chose to go through, if yeah, I had a chance, then I would choose not to do it. But hundred percent. But <laughs> in saying that. God allowed it to all unfold that way so mm. that I could be refined, so that I could be the person that I am today. And I no longer regret it. Oh, yeah. Like while I, if I, if I could go back, I would, but I no longer regret at all because I wouldn't yeah. be the person that I am today if I wasn't, if I didn't go through that. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. And I think... People need to hear this too. Like, it's okay that maybe for those of you listening, God hasn't used the painful part of your story. It's okay. Like, that's okay too. It's okay to say, well, at least I just made it through. You know, at least I'm, at least I'm on the other side of it. Maybe God hasn't used that part of your story and that's okay. But for those of you that have been through something or are going through something right now, just know that if you're ready, when you get on the other side to hope, it is such an incredibly powerful tool for other people to get through the valleys themselves. It really is. When you're in those dark places in your own life, yeah. are you comfortable with sharing some of them within this yeah. response? Did you at all see hope there? Oh, man. What's interesting is I did a lot of numbing when I was in my dark season. So a lot of numbing, a lot of idols. At first it was drugs and alcohol. Then it was boys all over the place, partying, twerking, all the things. And then honestly, it was work. It was ministry. And a lot of people don't like to admit that, right? That, you know, you can numb with idols that are really bad and toxic, but you can also numb with idols that are really good, that should, that are, were made for goodness. I was in ministry. I was working like crazy. I was in a really toxic church and I was using it to numb so that I didn't have to face the realities of a broken, fallen marriage and poverty and drugs and all the other things. And so there was no need for hope and their hope wasn't present because I was numbing. So I wouldn't feel the pain. I was playing pretend. Well, when I allowed myself to feel the pain, I needed hope then. And so I looked for it because again, hope rises from the dirt, but you got to be willing to get your hands dirty and I think that the best thing that I could do to bring hope into my life was to allow myself to experience the pain. Mm. And then I was like, it's got to get better. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
it's got to get better than this, you know? And you got to feel your way through the pain to get to the other side. Yeah. 100%. 100%. When you were going through that period of your life, because I guess there's this whole adage of being Christian, you don't get divorced. Yeah. Did you feel like you, or how were you feeling when you're in that relationship Mm -hmm. in terms of getting out? Did you want to get out? All that stuff. Well, the truth is a lot of the toxic behaviors started really early on. And I think at first, because I wasn't on a healing journey, because I wasn't even trying to pursue goodness in my life, I really didn't feel worthy to not be yelled at, to, you know, be with a man who actually just was kind and loving. You know, that's because of my past. Like I grew up with a verbally abusive father. I I mean, I, I took all of those things from my childhood and just kind of face planted them right into my adulthood, married a man just like my father. And it wasn't until I had a daughter and I found a reason to heal outside of myself because, again, I wasn't confident enough. I was like, well, I'm not worthy of good things. Like when you grow up with someone yelling at you, you think it's all normal and it's OK. And you that's what you deserve. But when I had a daughter and I brought a kid into the picture, she gave me the confidence to to get out of the marriage, to get to a safe place, to rebuild my life. And it was at that moment that I was like, okay, I needed to go through with this. This needs to happen for my daughter. And when I got out and started to experience health and peace, it was like, oh my goodness, like I want more of this. And that's in the book, I say this, it's very difficult to heal in the place and with the people that broke you in the first place. Mm. Because you're just in a cycle. When you get out and you start to experience goodness, you want more of it. It's almost like going to the gym, right? And you like, you're getting kind of cute. And then you're like, dang, I need to eat a little healthier so I can sustain it. Your habits start to change as an overflow of the one big decision you made to get healthy. So, yeah. And was the healthy person same? Oh, so first it was my friends. So I started letting my friends into, I'm like, okay, I've been lying about my marriage. Everything is not okay, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, what? And they started like pouring into me. Then I went to a church planning meeting and Sam was there and he was like, who is this girl? And everyone was like, whoa, you don't want to, you don't want to mess with that one. She's been through a divorce. She's got a daughter, like she's damaged goods. And he's like, huh, invites me on a date. And for the first time, like, really just heard someone say like, God's not done with your story. Because at that time I'd also transitioned out of a really toxic church. I had the church hurt thing popping. I was like, I'm done with the church. Then I started creeping back in. And for the first time I had someone tell me like, Hey, I really do believe that God still wants to use you. And I'm like, no, I'm damaged goods. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that God does his best work in the broken places. And voila, he's like, come on, come and be crazy still, but I want to use you and I want to use your story. That's what he does, right? Is yeah. yeah. I I I realized that when I was going through a difficult time in 2019 at the very end. It's yeah. like, yeah, God's not done with me. And he mm-hmm. he's got so much more planned for my life. And no matter how much I stuff up, yeah. I I always say, God, what what are you trying to teach me here? Where are you trying to lead me? It's like, what That's- are you trying to show me? I know my oh. story's not done yet, but please. Give me some answers. <laughs> It'd be really yeah. great if you can shoot me an email tomorrow. That'd be great. Yeah, give me yeah, a little bit of insight, right? <laughs> a little peek. Just a little peek, brother, okay? Just a small amount. That would be fantastic. 
<laughs> but um, I, I wanted to ask you about you and Sam because the whole yeah. going through a divorce and then meeting Sam, getting married and, and all that sort of stuff. What do you now love the most about Sam? Oh, oh my gosh. He's incredibly goofy. I love that. We still chase, chase each other around the house. We're like seven years in, still chase each other around the house. We still crack jokes on each other. We still, I mean, all the playful things. He has been through so much. I mean, Sam has been through, I mean, he's adopted. He met his biological family at 25 and that was real weird. Okay. Um, he's been through so much, but it's like, he just has this like unwavering joy and it makes for a really beautiful companion for someone like me, who's been through a lot, who's seen a lot of darkness. Darkness has entered my story since I was just a little girl at eight, at six and seven. And so to have someone who's so full of life and joy and optimism and can always laugh, even when it's hard, makes me understand that I can too, that, you know, hurt and hope can coexist, that yeah. joy and pain can stand side by side, that we can be going through the hardest of moments and still find a little glimpse of light somewhere. So that's what I love so much about him. What do you love the most about yourself and your story? <gasps> I love that I, oh man, that may make me, make me cry a little bit there. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I think it's my ability to find hope again and to still be like wild and crazy and fun because I mean, you're talking about someone who's, you know, been sexually manipulated by family members, sexually manipulated by an older man, lost my virginity at 13, started drinking and popping X and drugs and stuff to numb all the pain, left my parents' house at 16, went off to college. Some nights I remember, some nights I don't, slept with all kinds of men, partied, went through an eating disorder, like all this trauma and darkness. And I had gotten really bitter and really upset. And I just wasn't myself. Like all my friends used to call me like a Teletubby. I don't know if y'all know about the Teletubbies in Australia. Okay. Yeah, we that do. Unfortunately. Unfortunately for all of us, scarred our childhood anyways. <laughs> But I lost that. And I just am really glad that I was resilient enough, not only to heal, not only to be brave to do the hard work, but to be able to smile and laugh and find joy again. Like, I'm like, go girl. Look at you go. We're still laughing, girl. Yep. So, yeah. Where do you think that bravery came from? Mm, I think that I've always had grit. I think I've always been a fighter because I've had to be, right? Like when you grow up at eight years old, my mom got really sick. I had to take care of her. So I became a caregiver for her, changing diapers and helping her walk again and medicines and doctor's appointments. I've always had grit. Mm -hmm. It was just mischanneled. It went into either protecting or saving someone or it went into, you know, me doing drugs and going hard at that, you know, like being really, you know, aggressive in that way. When I channeled that grit to healing, it's just amazing because, I mean, I went to counseling for like two years every single week. Some people would be like, oh, I need a little bit of break. That was really hard work. It was extremely painful. But the grit that I built over my life had prepared me for this. And so I just rechanneled it to healing. And I'm like, let's go, baby. We're going to cry today. There's going to be snot dripping down. Let's go. And so, yeah. Let it all out. Let it all out. We're going to crush it. What are your thoughts on the power of forgiveness? Oh, man. 
The truth is forgiveness is a stronghold that quite literally holds you back from healing. And it's not only forgiveness for people, but it's forgiveness for yourself too. There were nights that I just, oh, I remember I was just like, why are you so dumb? Why are you so dumb, Tony? Why did you marry that guy? Why did you have a kid? Why did you have a kid with that guy that's so crazy? Why were you so dumb then? And I had to forgive myself because the Tony then didn't know what she knows now. I always say this, I I process forgiveness through a lens and I say, is this person wicked or is this person weak? And oftentimes people are just weak. When I forgave my dad for all the verbal abuse, it was that he was weak. Is that his dad was that way? And then he passed it down. And, and me and my dad, our relationship has mended and been redeemed in such a beautiful way. And it started with my healing journey. It started with me starting to identify who was wicked and who was weak in my life. And I mean, we know this, like us little Christian people, we know God forgave us. So we're supposed to forgive, blah, blah, blah. But even more than that, like forgiveness is a, a barrier to your own healing and peace. And you just don't want to harbor that stuff, man. And it's hard. It's really, really hard to forgive someone that you feel like doesn't deserve that level of forgiveness. Yeah. And, And you don't have to reconcile. Like forgiveness doesn't equate to, you know, forgetting and it doesn't equate to reconciliation either. Reconciliation is a whole different ball game, honey. Some people are not worthy, you know, of your reconciliation. You can forgive with boundaries. You can forgive with boundaries and, and, and just keep it moving. Okay. That's a good point because you, the reconciliation part, like this is something for myself because, all right, so because you got vulnerable with me, I'll I'll be vulnerable with oh, you. Come on. So See, I went, vulnerability, yes. Yes. <laughs> so I was sexually abused when I was six years old by another dude. Um, and so we went through something as uh, myself, let's just say yeah. that, uh, recently. and. I didn't, I personally didn't want to, I can't share the intricate details of it, but I personally didn't want to go through the whole process of it. And I was constantly asked, why don't you want to go through it? And I said, because I've forgiven him and I've moved Mm -hmm. on. My life has moved on. I hold no malice against him. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. I don't, I don't want any, any, punishment or whatever it's punishment enough that he has to live with the fact that he did that correct for me that is that's my perspective yeah and once i i said that and i meant it it was a freeing feeling i don't have to see the guy ever again Mm. he's moved on with his life i've moved on with my life and it wasn't necessarily both of us reconciling but I guess I made that reconcil- reconciliation for myself in that moment of it happened, but I have yeah. a choice to make here. I can either blame him for the rest of my life yeah. for what happened and for all the th- other things that transpired after that, yeah. or I can properly heal and just move forward in my life with grace and not allow it to keep me stuck. And that was mm. my moment of reconciliation. That was my moment of saying, I forgive myself, my younger self. I forgive my adult self. I forgive this guy. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's. Ooh. Move on. 
Jay, and first of all, it, thank it, you so it took much. a lot of work, right? Like it wasn't this overnight thing, but it, it, you know, it it was this slow couple of months every single day, and God just made Himself known. Mm. All, all thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. I when you said that you can move forward and live your life with grace, like, I just feel like that's going to bless and help so many people because the truth is harboring unforgiveness. It, it captures us. It holds us captive. It hinders the healing process. And, and I love that you were brave enough to put some boundaries up in place. Like, no, I don't need to meet or go through this whole reconciliation process and all those things. Like, that's what I mean by boundaries, like boundaries that are strong enough to keep the bad stuff out, but permeable enough to let the good stuff in. And the good stuff is I have forgiven. I've reconciled this trauma that I had to experience that I went through. And now I get to live a more whole and full life. And the people I'm in relationship with get the benefits of now this this new version of me who's healed and whole and on this beautiful journey. And I just think that's amazing. Yeah. I do. Well, thank you for allowing me to share it, by the way. Yeah. I okay. am grateful that you shared some of the things that you went through because I know that is going to equally help a lot of people that are listening to this or watching it. Um, I know our, our time is almost up. I apologize yeah. if I've gone over. Uh, but You're, doing, few- you're doing great. Final questions for you, if that's all right. Your book, Brave Enough to be Broken. How did you come up with the title? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So what's interesting is, and my husband reminds me of this all the time, is that I preached Brave Enough to be Broken for years before there was even a book. And I vehemently was like, I'll never write a book. I'm never going to write a book. I don't know what you're talking about. My husband's like, you're going to write a book? I'm not going to write a book. Freaking wrote a book, okay? And... (laughs) I know. I was like, man, this sucks. And what's interesting is the as soon as I signed a little book deal, I was like, I know what it's supposed to be called because I have been preaching this message for so long because I've been living this message for so long. Year after year after year after year of my healing journey, I have had to choose not just one time, but continue to choose to be brave enough to be broken, to be brave enough to share the hard stuff, to let parts of my story that I have actually healed and I have hope in come out into the world. That is what I practice. And I'm still practicing it today. This isn't just like this, oh, I've arrived type thing. It is this marathon. It is this hard journey of healing that I think will forever be on until completion with Jesus. Um, and I I love it. And, and the truth is like some people won't pick it up because they don't want to be broken. Some people will hate the subtitle because it's it's literally how to embrace pain and find, you know, hope and healing. Like they're going to hate it. They're going to be like, oh God, well, I don't want to pick up a book about pain. But for the brave people that do, it'll change their life forever because mm-hmm. it's not like my story. It's this book is, isn't the Tony show. It's about healing the reader's story. It's a guide, a practical biblical roadmap to healing and wholeness. And I think it's going to be amazing for anybody who reads it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I sort of face that with the subtitle of my book, like oh, yeah. how to overcome and lead after being knocked down. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I'm, I'm, I'm being here right now. It's comfortable yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. Misery, misery loves comfort, that sort of thing. And it's a hard oh. choice to make, like yeah. the healing process, because you're gonna you're gonna have to face a lot of hard truths. But when oh, yeah. you, like we've been saying, when you are brave, 
and you do get to the other side, it's beautiful. It really is. You're oh, a living testament I'm- of that. And I'm living testament of that. I'm sure I'm have been through the healing process yeah. equally as a testament to that too. I've got to ask you, yeah. I've, I haven't gone, I've gone very much off, off like kilter, like <laughs> just having a conversation yeah. with you. But yeah. one of the things that I read from the, the press kit that I got, which I, I never used by the way, but yeah. it fascinated me. Gratitude. Yeah. Why it's like a protein shake. Can you please explain that for me? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, here's the deal, family and friends, okay? Gratitude helps us, one, to remember what has already been done for us, like at period point blank. I mean, it allows us to experience the, the remembrance of what has happened that's good in our life in the midst of straight up and down darkness, in the moments where all hope felt lost, I just remembered the goodness of God. I remembered my daughter and how she was one of the most beautiful things that came from my first marriage. I remembered even the small moments that I was able to pour into another woman who had gone through a divorce and I was still in the pain of it, but she's like, your strength inspires me. And the truth is gratitude pumps us up much like a protein shake so that we can continue to do the hard work of healing. I said this before, it's much like working out, like, you know, we're on this journey. We're, we're trying our best to get toned, to get more resilience, to be able to be more flexible in hard moments. And gratitude is the protein shake to that, you know, that building. It, it strengthens our muscles. It makes us um, be able to, to look back at our stories and say, yeah, everything that I've been through has been super hard, but there's something to look forward to. There's something in the reserve. I say it like this. We want to live a life on the offense, not the defense. We don't want to be depleted on the healing journey. We want to be built up much like a protein shake does for us for uh, working out. And protein yeah. actually helps us lose that weight, that baggage. The excess. Come yeah. on. The yeah. freaking baggage. I like I'm gonna, that. I'm going to have one after the, the podcast interview while we play. I'm about to go have a protein <laughs> shake right now. I love that analogy. That is so cool. So where can people get a copy of your book, Tony? I know it's already out in the world, but where do you um, want them to go? They can go to TonyJCollier.com. It's T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R on all the things. Website, books on there, Instagreasy, books on there. And anywhere books are sold is kind of like the tagline. Yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah, just realizing that for myself when I was, you know, in, in the process of launching my book. But this is my final question for you, Tony. My all time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your oh. friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, she never gave up. She never gave up. Uh Uh-uh. Bloody knuckled, never gave up. I want people, I honestly, I don't want people to see the glory. I want them to see the valleys. I want them to see me for, I don't know how they got the footage, but I want them to see me clawing my way to counseling office every single week for two years. I want them to see me coming out of the counseling office, having gone through trauma treatment with freaking snot coming down my nose and my eyes. And then I want them to see me 
stand on stages and pod, come on podcasts and tell the truth that healing is hard, it's painful, but it's the best decision I ever made in my life. I want them to see all the, the hard. And then maybe at the end, like me just like bopping around, like in a little Teletubby outfit, you know? It's like, I made it. I'm like, Lala, Gypsy, oh. And it's like, and then at the end, it, it like, I'm really getting into like the theatrics of this, but at the end, it's like, joy still stood. And that's it. There's my movie. I'm going to produce it. <laughs> they don't need to do it. I got it all good to go. Perfect end off message. You you fixed it all up. You mentioned the Teletubbies and then you fixed it all up at the very end. I love it. <laughs> Tony, You're it's welcome. been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your advice, and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me, Jay. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.